Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions, which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morning cup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird morning. Cup of murder. Revenge can be a terrifying word. On a show with hundreds of episodes that contain themes of revenge leading to murder, it's hard not to be fearful of what one wrong move can do to a person on the edge. On March 25, 1990, a man who saw his world crashing down around him committed the worst act of arson in New York since 1911 one that took 87 lives, all to enact revenge on one ex-girlfriend. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On March 25, 1990, a devastating fire broke out in the West Farm section of the Bronx that saw the terrifying deaths of 87 innocent people. The Happy Land Social Club was a popular location and on this particular night, was packed from wall to wall with young Hondurans and members of the Gary Funa American community celebrating Carnival. Only about five people in attendance were able to survive the ordeal and give testimony to law enforcement about what they saw that night. According to their testimony and the firefighters' reports from the 150 members who responded to the blaze, chaos broke out at the first signs of the fire that 19 bodies were found downstairs while the rest were found on the second floor, including a couple found locked in an embrace hiding under the table. And six were found only feet from the exit, all dying from either asphyxiation or trampling, with some punching a hole into an adjoining wall to try and escape. Unfortunately, despite the firefighters extinguishing the blaze in just five minutes, the unlicensed club only had one working door. So with no chance of escaping and very little way inside, people outside were forced to listen to the screaming of 87 young men and women slowly start to fade into silence. 
on the 79th anniversary of the Triangle Shirtwaist tragedy, the Happy Land social fire became the deadliest fire in New York since 1911 and the deadliest in the United States since a fire in Puerto Rico in 1986. One of the survivors was a woman who worked at the club named Lydia Feliciano, who had an interesting story to tell. According to her, she and her former boyfriend, a Cuban refugee named Julio Gonzalez, had gotten into a fight just before the fire at the club. Julio Gonzalez had served three years in a Cuban prison in the 1970s for deserting the Cuban army and, in 1980, faked a criminal record as a drug dealer to help him gain passage on a boat lift to Florida. From there, he made his way to New York on a sponsorship by the American Council for Nationalities, where he met Lydia. Unfortunately, things with his new girlfriend soured just after he lost his job at a lamp factory in Queens. So with no job, no girlfriend, and no way to pay for the room he was renting, Julio grew increasingly desperate. So on March 25th, 1990, he went to the club where Lydia worked and began urging her to quit her job as a coat check girl. She told him to leave and that she didn't want to deal with him anymore, and a bouncer helped to remove him around 3 a.m. As he was being dragged out of the club, he screamed that he would shut this place down and said, I'll be coming back. Lydia tried to warn the others, knowing how volatile Julio could be. But for the most part, everyone wrote off his threats as the ravings of an angry man. Julio left the club furious and went straight to an Amico gas station where he purchased a plastic container and $1 worth of gasoline. He spread the fuel at the base of the only staircase that led in and out of the club, ignited it, and walked away. When he arrived at his rented room, the one he was two weeks behind in payment on, he removed his gasoline-soaked clothes and fell asleep as if nothing happened. Given Lydia's story about the threats, the following morning Julio Gonzalez was arrested in connection to the arson and brought into the police station. There, he was advised of his rights, after which he admitted to starting the deadly blaze. In total, Julio Gonzalez was charged with 174 counts of murder, two for each victim, and found guilty on all of them, and sentenced to a maximum of 25 years to life for each and every count. In March of 2015, he became eligible for parole, but was denied and told he could reapply the following year. But before he could get a chance on September 13th, 2016, he died at the age of 61 of a heart attack. The building that housed the Happy Land Social Club was condemned and demolished within 24 hours of the fire. And in 1991, the building's owner and landlord, who both chose to ignore the fire safety code issues they were fined for just before the fire, were charged with a misdemeanor in connection with the arson. Both pleaded guilty in May of 1992 and had to pay $150,000 towards a community center for Hondurans in the Bronx, as well as perform community service. Then a $5 billion lawsuit was filed by the victims and their families against the owner, landlord, city, and building material manufacturers, which was settled in July of 1995 for $15.8 million, 163000 per victim. Since the fire and the building's demolition, the street outside where the club used to be located was named the Plaza of the 87, in honor of all those who lost their lives, and a memorial was erected that contains each of their names. Names of young men and women who lost their lives because one man was mad at one woman. 
Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on March 26th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.